Welcome to Haniel's All About Enkelfähig podcast, where Scott and I explore the essence of the philosophy of Enkelfähig and its positive impact on the economy of our businesses and the lives of the people working in them. In today's episode, we are talking about sustainability and the inherent opportunity it poses for the business world. For this topic, we invited Axel Berger. He is the Senior Business Partner for Digital and Sustainability at Haniel. Axel, that's my name. I'm 46 years old. Um, I'm really proud father of two twin daughters, identical twins. Um, they're now 13 years old and push me a lot when it comes to sustainability and obviously also to other things. Yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually a mechanical engineer from degree and worked in industrial companies for, well, almost 20 years now. And so this is my actually third traditional company. What do I mean with this? Like the first one I worked for, Saint-Gobain, French company, was 350 years old. Oh, Then I worked for Tussen Group, also um, some, something like over 200 years old, and um, now for Hania with 265 years. So for some reason, and I don't really know why, um, I've had a tendency to always work for companies which are in the market for ages. Okay. And does that, I mean, just on a, on a side note, uh, um, do you liaison with people who can tell you the difference between working for uh, old established uh, um, I mean because you know Ankofei on its on its top level means continuing on for yeah. uh, future generations it's it's we all understand that the sustainability part of it and the sustainable growth part of it is a, is a huge factor but these companies have endured uh, uh, wars they've endured continent changes they've endured you know so um, what what makes them different? That's a really good question, and um, the fun thing is, I'm I was never a traditional kind of person in these companies, so I always brought in new stuff. Okay, always during my entire career. So it's probably so far it was the ability to change and change their business model, um, also um, identify um, new opportunities in the market and um, uh, grow um, by exploiting them. Now this will be the next big challenge. Mm. Um, I mean, you, you talked about war. Yeah, that was a huge challenge, obviously. And the companies probably also endorsed sustainability, but in a different way over decades and over, over centuries. So, for example, Haniel, I would consider as a socially responsible company all, already for over 200 years. Yeah. Obviously, also from an economic perspective, but because otherwise it wouldn't be family-owned anymore or wouldn't even be in the market anymore. But now there's a new thing or something that we realized way too late, which is ecological sustainability, which we need now because it's, it brings us as a society and um, as a planet at the, the brink of extinction probably at some point. And now there's the next big thing, which is now uh, changing again our way of working, our business model, and even exploiting new opportunities out of that, which are now also bringing this ecological sustainability into the company to make them last for another 100, 200, 300 years. Yeah. Um, the challenge will now be if these companies are able to quickly enough adapt to that. Um, and so far they have shown that, um, that this is possible, However, um, obviously, it's not the same people that probably changed things during the war or um, when the 
when, for example, Hanyu went out of um, coal and and um, and steel and so forth. Um, so now it's our challenge to somehow endorse that tradition and make Hanyu and the, the companies in Hanyu change to adapt to this new challenge that we have. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I guess I, I was looking for maybe um, some sort of. A a hack or uh, something, you know, like there's <laughs> every, every 50 years, they just pull out this piece of yeah. paper that says, yeah. do this, this and this, and you can, uh, you can adapt for the future. But it's just really a matter of these happen to be companies who, who have always stayed innovative uh, on their way uh, towards the future. Yeah, and, uh, and you know, what's funny, I mean, nowadays, obviously, we, we endorse um, young agile companies a lot. Mm -hmm. And I feel attached to them because, uh, as I said, I, um, in my career, I always had to develop new stuff. So mm -hmm. I always brought new stuff into traditional companies. And, and still, there's something about these traditional companies that gives you a little bit more stability in, in times in the VUCA world where everything changes so dramatically. Yeah. That is probably also worth saving and um, endorsing. Um, so what the challenge that we have is to to find the not a silver bullet and there yeah. uh, I, I suppose there is none but to find this middle path which endorses both of that like the agility that we probably need today to adapt to um, to certain situations but maybe also to look more long term uh, and this is what Enkelfig for me is also about and probably I mean you have heard this when you listened to some episodes earlier it's about engaging in a game with no end yeah and this is what I meant before we need to adapt to this new challenge and um, somehow change the entire industry the entire economy to something which is not um, consuming um, resources to something that is not harming the environment yeah that's again that's the new challenge and we need to bring these two agile thinking and on the other hand this long-term view um, together somehow yeah and I, I think uh, you mentioned silver bullet if I had to if I had to equate Anglefe to anything it would be the as close as we're going to get to a silver bullet once once it's you know thought through and the concepts have been understood and and the implementation uh, has 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 been uh, tested let's say um i think it's the best effort that that we have it's at least the best effort i've seen uh, um you know and and it also and i say this over and over again it has the emotional uh, uh component to it that that lets people actually believe yeah. or want to be a part of it you know it's not just some ESG, uh, uh, let's do this because we have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A small anecdote. I mean, like, um, this is pretty much one of the main reasons why I came. Because when I when I was, well, asked to, to go to, to Anya, for me at the time, it was more like a sidestep, so more in digital. And mm -hmm. um, because I came from ThyssenKrupp and I was in charge of digital transformation for the biggest business area for four years. Okay. Great job, fantastic topic, awesome. And then um, I was asked and then said, well, digitization, so sidestep. But then um, I was told, no, that's something you should look into. It fits, it suits you. Yeah. And then I came across this Enkelfake term and um, that pretty much changed it to mm -hmm. me because then I started to realize, okay, there's, they try to, change the way how we work, the way how we look at economy, the way how uh, we looked at value yeah. and wealth. And that got me pretty yeah. much. And uh, on an emotional level first, before even on, an, on a probably content level. 
Um, so that had a huge impact. Yeah. Well, that's why we're sitting here today because it did the same thing to me. Uh, and uh, I just recorded the uh, uh, the intro to the very first episode, and that was the the, the like quick intro. Is uh, I saw this word and I knew, oh my god, I need to know more about this. Yeah. And uh, um, but that's that's how we came here. So, um, you are uh, responsible for um. I mean, how, how, what is your, I don't want to say title, but yeah. it feels like you're responsible for all things sustainable uh, inside of the, the Hanyo organization. Um, where's your, your main focus uh, in, the, um, yeah, in the scheme of things? So official title would be Senior Business Partner for Sustainability and Digitalization. Mm -hmm. um, but the, like the main focus is def definitely sustainability, but even more incafeic. So, What I'm trying to do is to spread the message, obviously, and um, to start the initiatives that make it becoming real. Yeah. So, and obviously also um, to, to bring sustainability at the heart of the companies and um, define the standards that we are looking for. So in the, on a day-to-day -day basis, what does that mean? Um, what we do is we evaluate companies, um, the ones that we are looking for as an investment, as um, since we are a private uh, or a family equity company. Yeah. Um, so we evaluate these companies in regards to their what we call future world living performance. So what we write is a future world living thesis. So an opinion about how these companies perform in 10 different principles or 10 different criterias in regards to um, social, ecological, sustainability, but also in regards to their, their strength in innovation. So this, the, the thesis, is it really uh, just based on your opinion of what it could be, or do you do some initial research uh, to, to build the thesis? No, we just look one? at it and, and say, no, this is a three. No, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, no, it's obviously we try to do the best in researching that we could about what is the business model all about, but not only the business model, also the industry that this business model yeah. is part of. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, obviously, that, that is a very complex task because mm -hmm. you need to understand, okay, where could the hotspots be in regards to, um, to ecological or social uh, sustainability? And then after the research, we try to, in, in our best ability, to make an evaluation how we see the companies currently performing but also what could the company do to perform better in regards to sustainability in the future. Um, so you, in the end, you will get two scores, so to say. Uh, one, how it is today, and one, how it could be. And we also try to define, um, at least roughly, uh, what a transformation path could look like mm -hmm. towards a more circular, a more sustainable company in the future. So that means uh, uh, just because someone... And this is the future worth living score. So we yeah. would have we would have a, a current future worth living score and a, potential. a possible potential yeah. future yeah. worth living score. Okay. So there... There, there is a mechanism. Let's say there's a company uh, that you evaluate who has a, you know, underperforming future worth living current score, but an excellent potential uh, uh, for future worth living score. Is that a company that Hanya would look at um, if it can be transformed within a certain period of time? Yeah, I mean, obviously we would look. Um, preferably for something that already has a um, high <laughs> yeah. future worth living score. But yes, we would look at these companies because I mean. What can you do to change the world in these regards? Mm -hmm. um, on one side, you can obviously try to um, improve the sustainability performance of a traditional company, which is not sustainable. That can have a huge impact, mm -hmm. depending on the size, depending on the industry, 
Um, Depending I mean, on the effort maybe made beforehand? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And what we obviously need to understand is in how far are we capable of changing that? Now, just let me uh, think about a good example. Um, now, just, yeah, building is actually, um, like building is a good example. Or a construction. A construction. Okay, yeah. For example, like one of the highest emission or emitters of uh, climate gases is uh, concrete, concrete, mm -hmm. concrete production. Yeah. And um, now, obviously, if you could change that, if you could make that emission-free concrete production, the impact worldwide would be enormous. Yeah. Obviously, the effort to do that is also enormous. And so the question for us, would we be capable of doing that in a horizon of maybe five to ten years? Yeah. And then it would probably be something that we would consider as, a, as an interesting investment. The other thing that we can do is obviously investing in companies that are sustainable by heart and make them grow. Yeah. So, and for us, obviously, that is always the question, where should we put our money mm -hmm. into to have the biggest impact? That's what we need to judge in the end. Okay. And uh, um, I mean, it's, it's clear by now, at least for most people who think straight, that uh, there is no place for non-sustainable companies in the future. So all this really is, is yeah. a race to the front. I, I, are you sure that this is common sense right now? Well, common sense is different, yeah. So if you if you're talking about common sense uh, as uh, you know what's at most people's top of mind, but I'm talking about where the money is, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the investments. Uh, um, I'm I talked to Urco World a few weeks ago uh, um, about uh, their investment strategy and what they're working on and what they're looking at. And it's clear that uh, the message is getting across, right? It's not it's not there yet, and we're not a hundred percent. But if we were, there wouldn't be. Uh, um, the opportunities that there are now to to get into certain things, mm. but uh, I know I know we're not there yet, <laughs> and I have people uh, um, in my uh, uh, crowd uh, that are um, fanatical about how uh, um, poorly we're doing as a society uh, towards that. I just happen to be on the optimistic side of that, mm. uh, and and uh, coming from where I come from, I see uh, big strides towards uh, making this an important issue. Plus, you also mentioned like your daughters. I also have a 14-year-old daughter and a 12-year-old daughter, and there's no way they're going to do anything other than make choices that are sustainable choices. And it's it's very clear. I don't know how that message is getting across to them, but it's it's implanted. Yeah, it's almost like it's good, in the water they're drinking. Good, good to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so the future worth living score, and I, I talked to uh, um, uh, to Moritz about the portfolio side of it and what I thought was interesting and something worth mentioning and maybe you can explain it from your side is they come to you with their potential uh, investments and then your team does the future worth living score assessment so the thesis and then it gives the score yeah. and if you give it a no-go it's a no-go right pretty much yeah I mean okay. obviously like officially we definitely do not do the final decision therefore we have the investment committee mm -hmm. And there are obviously cases where we have an opinion, the investment team has an opinion, and then in the end, the um, investment committee needs to decide on that. Mm -hmm. But um, so far, I'd say, yeah, if, if we wouldn't be happy with it, then usually um, it was dead before it went into the investment committee, um, which is also a journey because obviously, like, we would look more from a 
sustainability risk perspective on this and and try to identify where are the hotspots, what is really the crucial in that business model that can go wrong or that also can be seen as greenwashing. Um, so that's where we are coming from, which is probably one side of the pole. And then on the other side, there is um, the investment team, which probably in the beginning uh, were looking more on, hey, that's a really good opportunity to earn money. Mm -hmm. um, so we need to invest in this. And now over time, over the period of the past 12 months, we, we came closer together. Like um, we tried more to look on an um, even more opportunistic side on it. Like how can you earn money with something that you might transform, yeah. which is not already perfect today. And um, the investment team definitely moved more towards, okay, now we really need to look that this business model is really sustainable in itself. Mm -hmm. So we're getting closer together where the sweet spot actually would be because what we need to prove is that we earn money with and through sustainability. And, sure. and not although our companies <laughs> are sustainable. Yeah. Okay, that's a distinction. That's actually a distinction I think is worth saying once again it's like repeating something in a hip-hop song yeah so <laughs> can you can you say that again clearly where the distinction is in between those two see ankle fake when you look at it we say we want to outperform by doing good yeah so it implies that there is an opportunity in sustainability mm. uh, and we we hardly we, we very strongly sorry believe in that We believe that um, there are features in sustainability, there will be demand in sustainability from the consumers, which makes this topic a really interesting topic to invest because it will be the growing topic in the future and we will make a ton of money with that. And we need to. And why is that? Because if it doesn't scale, um, it will not change the world. Yeah. So only if there is money to be earned in sustainability it will change the world and it will make it a better place. So that's what we believe. Mm. And the difference is, so far, the people think that sustainability is not an opportunity, but it is um, a risk that they need to um, well take into account. And it's an investment which is not worthwhile. Um, what do I mean? Like, for example, you take a product and you want to make it more sustainable, you need to invest. Mm -hmm. Maybe today the customer is not appreciating that or paying extra for that feature that it's uh, recyclable or um, uh, out of recycled material. So you're paying the price. It's yeah. an investment. And we believe that there there is an opportunity coming, uh, even for these products, where at some point the customer will realize, hey, Maybe I shouldn't buy product A, but product B, because that one is sustainable um, or more sustainable. And this, this is what I mean. We are not successful, although we need to pay for these investments to become more sustainable because the government tells us, mm. no, no, we say, no, no, there is opportunity. Yeah. We will earn money with it because somebody will buy it for a good reason. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. And uh, to... to um And um, if, I, if I may, sorry. Um, Go ahead. Um, there's one important part. This doesn't mean that just by making a product more sustainable, it will become Enkelfake or it will be the growing product of all. No, no. We need to create super performant products, period. Yeah. But one prerequisite of these products is that they are not harming the environment. Yeah. Um, and this is something that people sometimes get wrong. They think 
to create an anchor story, it's it's uh, product. It's good enough just to change the material and thereby making it better. And we got to sustainability. Uh, no, no, that's not what we're aiming for. Mm. We want to create heavy growth with products which are super interesting for consumers or customers, and they are sustainable. Yeah. Well, th the dilemma that I see there, yeah, one one of the dilemmas that I see there, especially for Haniel who invests in, you know, more established companies, is. I think uh, uh, the birth of a company today uh, um, is already—it's already born into a world where sustainability is built in and has to be baked into uh, the way it performs, the way its products are made, uh, the way its solution is uh, um, given to the market. You know, however it is. Um, but the option that I see in established companies is only to uh, um, transform them to sustainable. So is Hanio planning on mixing uh, the, the type of investments and coming into early stage things? Yeah. Uh, that's, the, that's the first part of that question. And the, the second thing is when you say, let's go back to the concrete example. Yeah, um, If Hanio were to invest into a, uh, you know, a CO2 neutral concrete production uh, technology, let's say, the company that actually uh, makes this possible, mm -hmm. um, would it then with, uh, with that trick in hand be able to go to a traditional you know, concrete type of uh, um, major uh, company, uh, invest in that, and then transform it with the technologies that they've uh, brought to the table on the back end? Is that, is that kind of a way this is planning on working? Yes and yes. So okay. um, we changed our investment strategy lately because in the past we did invest in early stage um, in growth. Um, so we had a growth investment um, part where, however, we didn't invest too much in one-to-one um, -one investments because um, they didn't have the resources and we usually were looking for companies that were more mature, uh, more cash um, generating and so forth. Um, which is our core investments. And then we realized that in regards to sustainable business models, these are mainly in an early stage. Yeah, That's not true for everything because something like a heat pump is a sustainable um, piece of equipment yeah. and you could easily invest in it. And these companies are more mature. But um, a lot of magic is now happening in early stage where there come new business models which come with these sustainability features where we probably didn't even think of in the past. Yeah. So carbon credits is an example. Nobody would ever have paid for um, carbon sequestration in some years ago. And now it's, um, it's a big deal. It's a big market of um, maybe so far already half a billion euros um, and it's growing fast. Um, so big market. And these companies are early stage. That's why we decided that uh, we would invest more into early stage uh, companies. So we set a group of people up um, out of the investment teams, uh, out of the sustainability team, which we call Growth Plus. Mm -hmm. And um, there we are searching for companies that already had revenue, but have sustainability at their heart. So we're mainly looking onto the planet side of things. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, now that's what we are now trying to do to invest early to get a hold of the, uh, on them and thereby also participate in their growth. Yeah. And I mean, we did that early on. We, for example, we were a founding member of Metro, uh, one of the biggest um, food distributors in Europe. I was there last night. Very good. Um, <laughs> well, not anymore. We are not invested so much anymore. Um, it's not like we never invested in early stage, but now we tr really try to structure that focused on, on planet. So, um, yeah, we are investing in early stage. 
what we now also um, look at trying to acquire technology that would then bring more sustainability or changing the business model of a traditional company. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I mean, that's what we are trying to do anyhow. We are trying to create platforms. Yeah. So far that meant that we had a business model and then acquired in an M&A style, um, acquired additional companies, bold on acquisitions, and thereby grow that platform uh, to become an even bigger player in their field. Um, however, obviously bringing over good working standards from one to the other company to make it better and make the platform grow overall. Here, obviously, it would probably be harder because um, like in, taking your concrete example, if that also includes heavy investments in equipment, for example, it's it's not that easily done. Yeah. But yes, I mean, we wouldn't even invest in a in an non-emission-free concrete producer if we would not see the chance to transform that into an emission-free concrete producer. So the answer to your question must be yes. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the difference is like uh, um, from which direction do we come? So, you know, like I'm thinking, okay, we have huge uh, market sectors that we just won't touch, right? Yeah. Let's just forget about supplying war or, or child labor or things like that. Yeah. But just from a sustainability standpoint, uh, maybe even um, essential uh, businesses for the way the economy and, and social uh, structures work, that just wouldn't be an investment interest. Um, yeah. And probably wouldn't be an investment interest for most companies who are looking to to invest towards the future. But if you can sneak through the back door with the technologies needed to transform those quicker or in a better way or something like that, um, that would be, you know, um, a secret weapon. Let's yeah, say. and, and it's, it's a in really interesting mind game. Why is that? Because in the beginning, like, what would your shareholders say? I mean, just imagine you would have the silver bullet, the, yeah. the technology to, to, to solve the problems in regards to oil and gas. Let's take the concrete example. Just imagine how you had this silver bullet somewhere and then you would invest probably out of nowhere into a concrete manufacturing <laughs> company. Like I, I'm just trying to think what our Kleiner Kreis, our, our shareholders would say. Yeah. But obviously the difficult part is, and that's probably very easily underestimated is how difficult such a transformation really is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, this is not only from an investment and technology perspective, also from a people's um, mindset. Yeah, absolutely. It, I mean, I'll just say the word or the, the acronym ERP, right? Mm -hmm. So even just implementing something such so mundane and so understood in the corporate world as an ERP system, transitioning from that to something else uh, is, is, is a nightmare, right? Uh, that's something everybody should understand why it's used and why we're making the change and yeah. what's happening. It should be easy to communicate, but it's always a, a, a difficult thing to do. Um, and then you bring something into it like, okay, well, we're transitioning completely yeah. in a sustainable way. The Just even, and that's why we're sitting here today, and I really feel like we should talk all the time about it because even, the under, even understanding what is sustainability? Yeah. Like, what does it actually mean? And and how do you think sustainably as a, as an employee or as a management uh, uh, and things like that? So I can imagine it's a daunting task, and we're just thinking about it on a, on a theoretical level. But, uh, but there, are, there are interesting examples. I mean, um, obviously, look at the oil companies like Shell or BP, who try to make their transition um, some more enthusiastic than others. Um, <laughs> but I mean... 
probably they do this because obviously they have seen that there is a necessity that the the era of fossil energy will end at some point, not only because there's no oil anymore. But look at somebody like Philip Morris um, growing with um, tobacco, cigarettes. They are, and um, I know someone there, and I, I like the example because they, they are coming from an industry which from an hour, uh, nowadays understanding is bad to your health yeah. um, in many different ways. And they are now trying to create the transition to become a health company. I mean, just imagine. Really? Yeah, they do. Um, like they are, obviously they went to vaporizers, but what you can do with these inhalers is also to, to bring medicine into, into your body. So okay. at least as far as I, know, uh, I, I understand, they try to make the transition. Yeah. And this is probably the the hardest, more on, and broadest transformations that I've heard of recently. And in, in some smaller scale, this is what we would try to do with a company that is today very non-sustainable and try to sneak in as a, as a shareholder and transform when, them with the knowledge we have, maybe with the technology we have, with other investments that we can put aside mm -hmm. to transform them in that sustainable company in their marketplace. Still, huge transformation. Yeah. Extremely difficult to do. And what we always need to judge is where do we create the biggest impact from a financial perspective and from a sustainable perspective? Um, and therefore, we will always have the challenge where to invest our money and just looking on the impact that we can create. Okay. Is there, is there a part of the, uh, the Hanyo team that's concentrated on uh, these transitions that understands or is working out, you know, Where are the biggest blockades? What's the best practices when it comes to these kind of things? Are, 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 I guess the, the, the place I'd like to go now is we were talking about potential uh, um, investments. Um, and I'd really like to talk to you at some point about the Future Worth Living score and how that works and what you're exactly looking at. But we just have limited time today. But what does this mean for established business units within the Hanyo group like right now? What are what are you doing together with the CEOs? Uh, what are you discussing? What are people looking at? Um, what are the initiatives? Can you can you give us some insights about what's going on? Yeah, what we're first of all what we're trying to do is to create that momentum inside of the business unit. So give them the inspiration and the spark that they take ownership for um, sustainability as such or Enkelfeg. Mm -hmm. And Enkelfeg in these regards to be profitable with and through sustainability. And then obviously we, we try to support. So what we are doing is on one side, um, we openly show them our future with living rating and how we see them. Yeah. Um, and then also discuss how we can change that, how we can improve that score. And I can tell you that is not a funny, <laughs> funny, I bet. usually it's not a fun meeting, yeah. <laughs> but um, some, sometimes it's really eye opening and, um, we have examples, and maybe I can explicitly uh, name Optima in these regards because mm -hmm. these guys really surprised me. Obviously, we gave them a hard time with our um, rating because we found the fish industry is a really difficult industry in regards to sustainability, and they didn't accept it. Yeah. Um, but in a in a positive way, they yeah. said, "Okay, challenge accepted." Yeah. Um, but we don't accept your score. We want to become better. Yeah. And um, when we had like the first update um, in their sustainability performance, they really came up with good ideas how to improve as a company to become more sustainable. So that's what we try to 
bring into the companies that they start thinking about it and create their own vision of how a better company could look like. What we also try is to support, uh, for example, currently um, we're working on um, some kind of well, workshops where we, we try to define a vision for some companies how this company could look like in 2030, 2040 mm -hmm. with a focus on Enkofeek. We haven't started yet. We are just in um, in the in the in the preparation of that, but I think this is going to be a super interesting case. Like really thinking bold and try to understand how can we get there. Um, is it through changing our business model? Is that even possible? And how would we do that? Yeah. For example, into a circular business model, or adapting new business models, which can. Um, connect to our existing one and change it and make it more sustainable. Um, maybe give you an example like um, um, taking mattresses, um, maybe recycling or taking back mattresses could be interesting business opportunities. Um, so logistics and stuff, which could support a circular business model in mattresses um, or bringing out new products which are by heart sustainable. So all of these three different opportunities that are out there to become better, that's what we try to identify for these specific business models. How can they become better? And just quick, as Optima, uh, like, did you ask them what their thought process wa was or how they were able to take your criticism and then come back with uh, like uh, uh, such, um, let's say, a trend transitional type of uh, uh, suggestions where, you, where even you were like, okay, well, that they they took the challenge they came back because i feel like the process that they went through is probably either repeatable on some level or something that uh, should be dug into yeah. um and and it would interest me to see how optima like like challenge like took that challenge what they did how they discussed it um i haven't been part of that process yeah. so I, i cannot tell you and maybe i think they did something similar to what we are now trying to to do on a maybe on a larger scale mm -hmm. which um so They went back and as far as I know, they, they um, got an agency or a consultant in, into play who came out of, of, of sustainability as a, as a topic, as a profession, yeah. um, and then tried to identify where are the opportunities. And they challenged that with us, so yeah. what, what opportunities are in the field to become better. And there they created their own vision of how to become a more sustainable company. Probably we are going now a little step further um, thinking even bolder. Uh, however, I don't know if they, uh, if in the end we will be able to pull it off. Then, because maybe if you, I mean, if you go too bold, there is no way that you can really turn that into reality, which is a risk. Um, but we're trying to think a little bolder than than they did. I think. However, the challenge will then be to um, in that process, in that thinking process, to identify the things, bits and pieces that you can really turn into reality and make them happen. Because, um, I mean, there is a German saying from an um, uh, old politician who said, if you, if you have a vision, you need to go to the doctors. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I, um, but, I, but I think um, that's probably where, where you need to start. Think bold and then identify the, the, the things that you can really turn into reality. And um, yeah, that's what we really try to pull off. Uh, one of the things that we've done here... Um, Especially, you know, coming from marketing, there's a lot of creative work that happens, and it's that's not necessarily bold thinking, but it's definitely 
overthinking things or, or coming up with just like extreme ideas and, and then bringing it back to what reality could be. But if, if you don't do that, you're never quite where reality could be. So yeah. I think uh, so what, what we do is we have brainstorming sessions that have nothing to do with planning and we make sure that there is no planning that goes on during these sessions. And then uh, we take, you know, the crazy ideas from brainstorming and turn them into into a planning idea. Yeah. But and nowadays, these, there are methodologies to do that. So you could probably call that design thinking. Yeah. So whatever methodology you use, um, I think it's the right approach to really think bold and outside of the box. Um, because otherwise, you will never identify the opportunities if you just stay within your bubble. Mm -hmm. um, again, sustainability brings a lot of opportunities that within our existing industries, we probably even didn't think about. So how, did we, how should we exploit them? How should we generate them if we think in the old traditional way that we have been thinking about um, 20 years, 30 yeah. years? Shouldn't do that. Do you think uh, it's possible to um, have a portfolio within Hanio that is completely ankle fake? To totally convinced. I'm absolutely sure that we will pull that off. Yeah. It would take us some time. Um, first of all, to identify these companies, obviously, um, they're getting also more expensive, um, so it will probably not just be in acquiring these companies, but also in transforming them. Yeah. And I think even, um, or no, not even, several companies within our existing portfolios will be able to become Inkelfeg, um on a high scale. And a lot of them are already Inkelfeg in our perspective. Yeah. But obviously, we are sharpening our targets to become more ambitious about what an Inkelfeg company really means. So um, raising the bar. And still, I think several of the companies that we have in the portfolio will be able to get there or are already at that level. Others will be new companies and we will find some companies, I'm convinced, that are pro probably today not yet there, but uh, that we where we will be able to transform them. Yeah. And I think, uh, uh, you know, the experience of the transformation, especially the ankle fate being the new philosophy it is, and uh, uh, you working it out, you know, the last uh, year and a half or so, um, I think the more experience there is, the the, the quicker um, the opportunities are identified as far as like what can be transformed and what can't. You know, the, the difficulties in transformation, they're so deep and they're so wide. Yeah. Uh, but if you understand which ones are easy to, to navigate and which ones are impossible to, uh, it makes uh, looking at things a little easier. Yeah, and you really need to get into the details because, I mean, um, nowadays every company is becoming green. Yeah. I've just seen another company that I know very well, which now claims that they are sustainable and I know they are not. Yeah. Um, it's a trend. So everybody's jumping on it. Everybody's using it for marketing purposes. And I just read a, um, an article um, uh, made out of a study which claims that um, over half of German top managers see sustainability as a marketing claim. Yeah. And that's that's terrible. I mean, <laughs> not 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 so far because because they still did not understand that we need to do it from a from an ecological and uh, purpose or for their daughters and granddaughters. No, that's yeah. not the point. We can sell it. it. It's it's so terrible because they didn't see the opportunity. Yeah. Uh, because at at some point, like their claims will not be understood by consumers as sustainable, and then they have a problem, and. They don't see the, the, the train going, which will bring them growth and new opportunities and their future products. They don't see it. And that's, that's terrible. And that's 50, over 50% of, of uh, top managers in Germany. We're creatures of habit, Axel. True. And uh, it's just, uh, 
it's the way some people were raised yeah and some of us are uh, uh, easy to change and some of us aren't uh, um, but I, I I feel uh, confident having spoken to a lot of the people in the team and uh, seeing your conviction that it is possible to have a portfolio of companies who are angle fake that uh, um, uh, Hanio can be a, a lighthouse for um, something more than just sustainability and something more than just ESG, something ankle fake. And uh, um, that's one of the things that I'm excited about seeing how this spreads. Yeah, but the, to, I'm totally with you. And if I wouldn't be that convinced that this is possible, obviously I wouldn't be here. But I think one thing is also important. That does not mean that every everything will and needs to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, because... The downside of this is, hey, at the companies where you are probably not convinced that they will make it, they can still make a difference. And um, there's also one saying that I really like, which is um, don't let perfect stand in the way of good. Yeah. Um, really like it because um, everything counts. So even if you will not be able to pull off that huge transition, I mean, start small, change. And that's also um, true for, for, for my at least my personal life because – at some point, I was devastated with um, what I could change as a one human being. You mean uh, how, how little you could change? Yeah, or, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And how difficult it was to mm. change. Um, also, because I was just living in that society with the lifestyle that I have, like my footprint was so terrible. But then I started to change. And there's still a lot of things that I do not do perfect. So, for example, I uh, still, um, I mean, way less than earlier, but still I'll, once in a while I like to fly somewhere to see a new culture, a new place. I thought you were going to say eat a piece of meat. Um, well, <laughs> no, that's, that was the easiest part for me, actually. Yeah. So I, I don't eat fish and meat anymore, but so that was easy for me. But so flying or um, like electrical stuff, because I mean, I'm a technician, you know, yeah. I, I like to, to check. It's, it's a hobby of mine, so... So st- I still consume a lot more um, electronic gadgets and, and, and things because I'm interested in them. And maybe at some point I will be able to change it. But if I would have just tried to get that perfect, that zero um, emissions and um, zero um, landfill or whatsoever, if I would have tried to get there, I wouldn't have changed anything because I wouldn't be able to get there. Yeah. So um, instead of waiting until everything could be perfect, I started to change things slowly. And that's how our companies need to act, I think. Um, start, understand, learn, um, see the opportunities instead of the risk. Um, make mistakes. Make mistakes, absolutely. And be be bold and mm. try to change things instead of just find the reasons why it's not working. What we need is a mentality of, peop- uh, of people that try to find the way how we can change things and not try to find reasons why we can't. Yeah. And that's something that I think is really important. And again, it's not, it won't be perfect. So, uh, I've been in a few of the meetings. Uh, I've, I've come to the angle faith believers, uh, uh, um, meeting a few times. Uh, and I was in the leadership meeting, uh, I think a week ago or something. And I keep hearing, uh, the word angle faith solutions. Yeah. Um, can you explain to me what's meant with that and, and what you guys are working on towards that? Yeah, the Anchorfix Solutions, we def- describe products which are, let's say, in balance, at least in balance with um, well, their sustainability impact. And again, not just talking about ecology, but also socially and economically. So what we are checking and looking at is how does a 
product perform in regards to profitability, in regards to climate change, in regards to circularity, biodiversity, and innovation. And obviously what we also check is if some of the most crucial um, social problems are touched, like child labor and um, human rights or environmental harm. So that's what we ch check on a product. And um, if we can identify that this product is at least in a plain level, then it would be considered as anchor-fake. Okay. Obviously, what we are looking for is products that actually have a positive impact, um, for example, in climate change because they're binding carbon, as an example, mm -hmm. or because they are truly part of a circular business model. Um, so their material is recycled and um, they go into recycling afterwards, or it's a renting model um, like Bowwatch, for mm -hmm. example. Um, so things are not thrown away. It's not a linear business model. So that's what we're looking for um, in regards to products. And then if they are um, in, in, on a score level above three, then they are considered as anchor-fake solutions. What's the highest score you can get when you're, when you're considering a solution? The highest score would be a 5.9, um, which is extremely difficult to get because then, I mean, all of these criteria need to be top of the notch. So it would be highly profitable It would somehow work against climate change. Um, it would be completely circular. It would be positive for biodiversity. Um, and at the same time, and because it can do all of that, it would probably be extremely innovative. Okay. Um, What's the closest uh, we have? Um, s something in the early fives. And uh, so ankle face solutions, that's product specific. Yeah. And the future worth living score is company specific. Yes. Are they two of the same whole or are they two different things? Um, well, obviously they're interrelated. Um, I mean, if you if you only sell Anchorfake solutions, you're very likely also an Anchorfake company. Yeah, right? exactly. That's why that's why I was uh, yeah. trying to figure out. But uh, do you measure them uh, at a separate time? Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. Obviously, like um, I mean, the 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 Anchorfake solutions are derived from the future with living. Um, mm -hmm. That is also the basis for the future with living score uh, for companies, obviously. Yeah. But at a company, we look once before we acquire them uh, to check if that is a decent investment. Then when we are invested in the companies, we probably check them twice a year to see how they developed. And obviously they have targets in regards to sustainability, so they will most likely improve. And that's what we judge then and therefore improve the score. Um, but the, the products, obviously we need to look on a permanent basis. Mm -hmm. And that does not mean that you permanently need to check or recheck a product by itself. But whenever something changes, like the supplier, like the material or whatsoever, then obviously the score of that product can change. So um, in looking from a negative perspective, like if you are currently purchasing, um, don't know, wood um, out of um, German forests, uh, that would probably be, for that product be fine. But if you know for cost reasons or whatsoever, you purchase that from China, um, or um, Argentina or whatsoever, then probably the score would drop dramatically because there you obviously have transport um, emissions. There probably the, the wood is not certified and then the product would probably fail to become ankle fake. Yeah. Okay, this has been super interesting. I appreciate you coming out uh, uh, today all the way to our office in the middle of a storm on a Friday afternoon. Uh, um, and uh, it's been really nice talking to you. And it's good to see you again. Thank you so much. Likewise. And um, whenever... Um, I, I could talk about this for ages probably. <laughs> Me um, too. 
So whenever you're interested, or let's say the, uh, I couldn't say viewers, listeners. Listeners, um, yeah. The listeners would be interesting to learn more um, anytime. Um, love Perfect. It. Okay. All right. Well, have a great time. Talk Thanks. to you soon. You too. Thanks. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for listening. In the next episode, we'll be talking to Matt Smith about Haniel's Enkelfake Academy, where he will share some interesting insights about the direction they are going with it. <laughs>